Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining me for Stay Free with Russell Brand. Today we are streaming live right now. If you're watching us on Rumble, George Owell, the babysitter was late, vape, dabs, bongs, or I can't say the last one. You're very welcome. I'm being asked, can I guarantee that at some point I will fire an arrow into Elon Musk's car? I can't offer you that guarantee. I know Rogan managed that. But what I will guarantee is if we get to 20,000 viewers in the next 20 minutes, in the next 10 minutes, in the next 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, if we can get to 20,000 in the next 10 minutes, we will give you a festive special with Tucker Carlson. That's my guarantee. Get to 10,000 in 10 minutes. If you're watching us on Locals, our Awakened Wonder community, thank you very very much for joining us there. And if you're not a member of the Awaken Wonder community, you should press the red button and become one. If you're watching us on YouTube, we love you, we welcome you, but we would like you to become a member of our community where we can speak freely. Although later this week, we're going to have to cover the complexity of that because we are being censored and prevented from, well, not only speaking freely, but potentially from even reaching out into platforms where free speech is less prohibitive. Joining me now is a man who is willing to confront authority, who's willing to confront the accepted version of events. And this is one of the most extraordinary stories of our times. And I'm excited to say these words because a little while ago, it was forbidden, verboten, impossible, prohibited to even use this kind of language. Today, we're talking about excess deaths. We are with the author of Cause Unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022. I'm being joined by Edward Dowd. Edward, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Russell. Great to be here. Bobby Kennedy, thanks, mate. Bobby Kennedy, who wrote the foreword to your book, the uh, presidential candidate and friend of the show, and as far as I can tell, pull-ups expert, wrote the uh, foreword to your book, and he said that he uses one of your quotes again and again, and I too have caught that meme. It's as contagious, maybe even more contagious, than a certain little virus that made its way out of a Wuhan lab or wet market. You can never truly be sure. Uh, It's the quote about the number of young people that died in 20 between 21 and 22 could you just talk us through that fact edward please yeah so there was uh definitely a mix shift in uh 21 and 22 from 2020 in 2020 mostly old people died there were excess deaths recorded all over the world and there were mostly old folks uh who died and there, there can be discussions about how they died but mostly old. And then there was a mixed shift in 21 and 22 to mostly uh, young. And the thing that I saw early on in my journey was uh, the millennial deaths in 2020, between uh, 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 February of March of 2021 and February of 2022, 60,000 millennials in the U.S. died excessively. Uh, That's a Vietnam War. We had 58,000 soldiers die over 12 years. So we had a, a Vietnam War for the millennials in 2021, basically, which shouldn't have happened. And still to this day, no one can really explain why. I have my thoughts, and we can talk about that a little bit forward. Okay, I would like to hear that theory. There was a 40% increase in deaths among young people uh, age 18 to 64. Wow, I'm still considered young. That's good. I'm glad to hear that statistic. Uh, Let's have a look. We've got a few stills taken from your book, Cause Unknown. Let's have a look at the first one. Um, What's going on with excess death rate for for children in the UK? Can you talk us through this still, please, Edward? Yeah, so this is research we've done since the book. And uh, so in the UK, 
uh, excess deaths uh, during COVID were going down because children were, were unaffected by the virus for the most part. And the, the greatest cause of death for children ages 1 through 14 is uh, uh, accidental. And because of the lockdowns and the uh, school closures, remote schooling, schooling and whatnot, uh, their deaths went down. Uh, but then they started to go back up in 21, and they reached a new height in 2023 of 20%, which is uh, a sixth standard deviation from norm. And uh, a standard deviation is basically a probability from, from, from normal. So that'd be like the equivalent of a uh, seven-foot giant being born, or many of them, so to speak. It's the equivalent of many seven-foot giants being born. Is that that's yeah. sort of it's a, a statistical? Is that unlikely? That's very unlikely, and that that's the math. The five standard deviations. This was six. Five standard deviations is a seven-foot giant being born. Oh no. Either we're about to be living in a land of giants, which I'd kind of be into, or something's gone dreadfully awry in the last couple of years. Even when conveying this information, Edward, are there still limitations on, on, on what you're able to say? Uh, no, I mean, my thesis uh, that I put forward in the book, and it's just, again, it's my thesis, is it's the vaccination program. And, and, and the, the children in the UK is one of my smoking guns. I talk about it in the book. Uh, because they, their excess deaths were declining, were actually negative, going into November of 2021, because the vaccination program for that age group didn't roll out until, until, until November of 2021. And then excess deaths, curiously, started roll, uh, increasing, and now they're at uh, 20% in 2023 annualized numbers for this age group. So they were not dying during COVID, vaccines are introduced, and then their excess deaths start rising. Can you tell me then what do we have much data on what in particular is what aspect of the vaccination process or what in particular is causing it and why if the information is this stark and observable it's not being more broadly discussed Well you know this is interesting we we dropped a report a couple of months ago it's not in my book it's about the UK uh, PIP data. PIP data is a personal independence payment system. It's your it's your disability system, and uh, we uh, analyzed excess claims over uh, uh, you know a five year trend prior. And across the board, uh, disabilities in the UK have gone off the charts. All different body systems: hematological, cardiovascular, cancers, you name it. And here are the numbers for all the body system and disability increases. Uh, it was about one percent rise in 2020, uh, about a uh, 6% rise in uh, uh, 2021, and about 74% rise in 2022. So things are going off the rails in the UK disability system. So either there's systemic fraud, and we've uncovered something the UK government uh, should be happy about, or there's some endogenous factor that's been introduced that's causing uh, the, the UK pension uh, disability system to go bankrupt at some point. At the beginning of the pandemic period, there was a lot of talk of conspiracies. There was definitely hyperbole on both sides of a very polarising conversation and a very polarising time. But it seems the more evidence we're granted access to, the more censorship is able to be surpassed or evaded. It seems more and more likely that the people that had the worst fears that are closer to the truth than, than the, what was for a long time the accepted and official narrative. Absolutely. And, you know, early on, I was um, very suspicious of COVID even, even before the vaccines were introduced. 
in uh, April of uh, 2020. For me, I'm a, a Wall Street executive, uh, been on Wall Street my whole life, understand the monetary system. And I saw on Face the Nation on April 3rd of 2020, uh, a Federal Reserve president uh, speaking about how to reopen the economy. And when asked, how do we do this? He said, oh, we have new technologies and surveillance technologies. We can introduce uh, immunity badges. And so I said to myself, why is a Federal Reserve president talking about immunity badges, which uh, sounded like gold stars to me at the time. So I, I started talking about the fact I believe vaccine passports were going to be introduced on Twitter. People thought, called me a conspiracy theorist. And then you go to 21, we had vaccine passports and mandates. Your background is in observing market trends. And as you said, and normally when this name is mentioned, it's not in the most glowing and affectionate of terms, BlackRock and that you controlled sizable portfolios and that you're a successful investor. And that obviously by its nature requires a degree of insight and perspicacity. How come you change from operating in this world into making what, what has driven you and what has inspired you to move from working in the field of investment into working in what seems to me to be a pretty fraught and risky territory? Yeah, so Black, BlackRock uh, has transformed itself. I left in 2012, and I, at the time, I was managing uh, a $14 billion growth equity portfolio, which was actively managed, meaning, you know, humans picked the stocks. BlackRock transformed itself into a passive investment ETF giant, and it's transformed itself, uh, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the 10 years, 11 years since I've been gone. All my former colleagues that I work with, not a person I know is still there. So it was a different firm when I was there. And my job was to make money for my clients and identify trends and trend changes before everybody else. So the, on Wall Street, if you're a human trying to beat the market, you want to be early and right. And so I just applied that skill set to analyzing trends and, and statistical analysis to what's going on here with excess deaths, disabilities, and injuries. And early on, uh, I started seeing anomalies. And, and, and for me, knowing statistics, uh, when the vaccine was introduced in early 2021, I started hearing anecdotes of uh, injuries and the uncle from so-and-so on the mainland, I live on Maui, died here and there. And there were, I, I didn't hear any of these stories in 2020. So I knew that if a vaccine is safe, uh, you shouldn't be hearing anecdotally any of these stories. So that, that got me on the journey of investigation. And I figured at some point this would show up in insurance company results and funeral home results, and boy, did they, did they ever in 21 and 22. It was pretty incredible how that information was managed and controlled. And I'll refrain from saying that you were clearly holding BlackRock back because they've flourished since you left. I think you were a real fly in the ointment at what was soon to become an investment giant. They've gone from strength to strength. One prediction you could have made is when I leave BlackRock, start investing with BlackRock. Um, but one of the things that most of us um, sort of conversationally were aware of and were too afraid to discuss was the death of healthy young athletes. It seemed like one of those things that, that was, I know that when this was discussed on social media, people were like, this is a conspiracy theory. Oh, you whack jobs, you lunatics, you aluminium hat wearing nuts. And like, uh, here is um, 
you know, here's just a few headlines from around the world. Can you, when you see something like this, it seems like, uh, like either like anecdotal evidence or like we're deliberately cr- try creating a narrative. But I suppose if you're creating a narrative based on evidence, it's a narrative that people should hear. Can you talk us through the death of athletes and what in particular is significant about it? Yeah, so early on in 21, uh, I, I was aware of on Twitter uh, the, the, uh, the soccer athletes in, in, in Europe dropping dead. And soccer is, is an interesting sport. It's most cardiovascular intense sport, w- way more than uh, U.S. football or basketball in the U.S. So that was an early warning sign for me. And yes, uh, you know, anecdotal, people say all the time, these are anecdotal. And you can say that, but if you're also just, you know, awake and aware, this is occurring way more often than it did in the past. Did did, did these deaths occur before 21? Sure, they did. And there's an actual study that I cite in my book called the Lusane study from Switzerland that was done in 2006 to try to put some numbers on this. And it was a 38-year study. They found 1,101 sudden athletic deaths, which occurred on the field or on the way to the hospital. And that averages to about 29 a year. Okay, so yes, did it occur? It sure did, but it was very rare, and it wasn't really something that was in, in the consciousness, consciousness of, the, of the public. Roll forward to 21, 22, 23, we'd be lucky to have a month with just 29 sudden athletic deaths. We've had a month, I think, in December of uh, 22 with, with over 100. And in my book, I don't, I don't have all the sudden athletic deaths. And again, the cause is unknown. I, I, you know, I'm not the doctor. I, I don't have the autopsy report, but in the, in the uh, at the time of the deaths in my book, the cause was unknown, and, and, and we have hundreds and hundreds of examples of these, and we, we don't even catch them all. And these are just public news stories that uh, we, we found by uh, investigating the web. And there you go. So there is math around it. Then when you get into the statistical age groups from the publicly available data, that's, that's where we marry anecdotal with uh, hard, met, what I call metadata. And so this is not, this is not something that you know, we're making up. It's, it's occurring and it's, it's real. This is a coffee table book for conspiracy theorists. And as such, you include QR codes. Every story in there has a QR code that you can follow to make sure that you, Edward Dowd, and all of us that feel that the last three years was revelatory and demonstrated a convergence between state interests, legacy media interests, and big pharma interests, not to mention perhaps, potentially, and this is of course speculative, a globalist agenda to legitimise centralised authoritarianism introduce schemes and ideas like vaccine passports to normalise lockdowns and to practice mass control. Many people have said these things are possibilities and there's probably a QR code somewhere in Edward's book that can take you right the way to some reptilian overlords that are exercising this considerable power. What I like about the book is your uh, journalistic integrity and I suppose it makes it all the more clear that that there was a requirement for the shaming and censoring of sceptical people so that such a plainly untrue narrative could be pushed on such a scale. Given that your background is in the, that most observable and um, measurable of fields, finance, do you feel that what we've just experienced is a kind of off-the-scale global historic event, Edward? Yeah, we're going to be talking about this not for the next 10 years, for the next 100 years. The damage that's been done, in my humble opinion, is just, uh, it's, it's, it's unmitigated in the history of the world. And 
This has been the biggest gaslighting operation I've ever seen. Uh, as an investor, I call this the greatest asymmetric investment opportunity of a lifetime, meaning on Wall Street, you try to uh, uh, take advantage of information that you have, not inside information, but through your own insights that you glean and uh, knowing that most of the public doesn't know it yet. That's how you make money. Unfortunately, this has been uh, such a good psyop and, and, and gaslighting job. It's still uh, an asymmetric uh, information situation where still a lot of people don't know what's going on. The good news is word is getting out, booster uptake is down, and people are starting to spread it despite the uh, media uh, clampdown on this issue and the political clampdown and the regulatory clampdown. And, and to your point about um, you know conspiracy theories, we, you don't even need, I wasn't in the room and in the book, I don't get into the who and the why, I just report it is. But it's, it's, it's easy to just blame greed, uh, old, good old greed, power, and corruption as, as, as the, uh, the candidates here. Because once the momentum of the free money from the central banks and the governments uh, started rolling, there were three uh, vectors that, 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 that profited from this. Obviously, pharma. Uh, then you had media that got all the money from the pharma ad spend. And then also they got government grants to push the vaccine, as we found out later. And then you have the tech companies who were looking their chops at the new surveillance technologies they could have implemented. So you had three vectors that were going to profit from this. And so they were all aligned. It, maybe we're not in a room drinking scotch, laughing, smoking cigars, but money, money, money uh, certainly and power was behind this. And of course, the politicians get all their lobbying dollars from these giant corporations. So four vectors of interest all aligned and they were pushing. That's, I like that, using these four vectors to understand how this event unfolded. And I alluded to the somewhat more conspiratorial, but I would say also logical idea that it legitimizes authoritarianism at a time where the trend is towards decentralization. I don't mean the ideological trend. I mean the potential for decentralization that is afforded by instantaneous communication and the potential for individual's freedom and the sacred nature of individual freedom that I suppose within libertarianism or anarchism are still sort of prized and discussed. The idea that you as an individual have certain rights and that, that if you are able to legitimise authority, those rights can be surpassed, undermined, ended. And I suppose that's why it was so important that the initial idea was a very moral one. Life is sacred. We better lock everyone indoors. And if you don't take this medicine, then you don't care about other people. Well, it turns out that it was one lie after another. And the only way that this conversation won't be happening in 100 years, Edward, is because the conversation will still be being censored with all of the increase in censorship legislation all around the world targeted in particular. I would say, around issues like this that have the potential to bring people together on an unprecedented scale and initiate the kind of global awakening that's required at this time of universal dissent. Now, one of the vectors that you described that benefited incredibly from this omni-crisis, from this global scam, was uh, Pfizer. And I think we've got another one of these steals we don't normally have, Edward. You're better prepared and better equipped than most of our guests that just wander in here with an opinion or two or a conspiracy and just shout their mouths off. Not you, though, Edward. It's stills. Now, these are some uh, some reports on Pfizer. Um, can you talk us through uh, the, what this is about, really? And you can see there's QR codes if people at home want to check them out. Let's talk about Pfizer. Let's, let's go through the math. Um, 
Pfizer, uh, in its different uh, incorporations, is a 100-year-old company for the most part. And it took them 100 years to get to uh, $40 billion in revenue in uh, 2020. $40 billion. Uh, roll forward uh, to 2021, uh, 22. In one year, they made 90 billion. So it took 100 years to get to 40, and then they made another 50 billion on top of that. These are big numbers. And the plan, the plan, if you if you go back to 21, the dark days of 21, there was talk of quarterly boosters mandated with vaccine passports, odd infinitum, just to go to a store or go to. Uh, um, a restaurant or participate in college or school or your job. And these are, this is the plan. And I did the math. Had they been successful in implementing this plan under the color of law, global law, mind you, um, they would have uh, made, uh, I assumed, I did some back of the envelope math, I assumed that they got half, half of the global uh, share of uh, mRNA vaccines. Uh, Five billion people were vaccinated. Uh, I, I came up with a uh, per dose and then the quarterly run rate. And it was about a 320 billion annual run rate if they were successful in pulling off quarterly boosters ad infinitum. So that is uh, bigger than the size of Apple's revenues. That They would be the biggest, uh, one of the biggest uh, revenue uh, producing companies on, on the globe. No wonder when Joe Rogan had the audacity to say he took horse paced to evade the condition. He was attacked in what seemed to be from the outside a globally coordinated legacy media takedown. Indeed, it seems possible, plausible, likely even, that any dissenting voices that are willing to interrupt the flow of this tidal wave of revenue and unprecedented state power would be a target. Because I suppose without independent media, without online conversation, because the legacy media they all fell in line, you wouldn't be able to prevent that kind of legislation passing. We'd be reliant on the largesse and honesty of big pharma and the state. And that doesn't seem to be a commodity that's in particular high supply. Absolutely. And look, Pfizer was printing so much money in the form of the COVID profits. They were doling out money to politicians uh, advertising on both uh, technology platforms, social media platforms, and the media. And let's not forget, uh, our governments gave media companies, uh, at, at least in the U.S., we uncovered a billion dollars through a FOIA request was given to media companies to promote the vaccine and uh, put the kibosh on any counter-narrative to the vaccine. We've got a, excuse me, we've got a quote here from Marty Makari, who we quote a lot on this show, and I guess uh, it is Marty Macari someone you cite in your in your book, Edward? Yes. It says here that the CDC director last year said if we vaccinate a million children, there might be 30 or 40 cases of mild myocarditis. And they said if you get myocarditis, and they said if you get myocarditis from COVID, that's worse or it happens at a higher rate. But that's not true. The studies have come out. Europe reacted by banning the Moderna vaccine altogether in young people in many parts of Europe and everybody under 30. We're now learning that there's significant heart damage. 31% of people having physical activity restrictions. 60 3% of children after myocarditis had evidence of heart swelling months down the road on MRI. So we're playing with fire. Would you, uh, to give us some thoughts on that, Dr. Marty Makari quote, Edward. Well, let's, let's go forward to a report that we just put out recently on cardiovascular deaths in the UK, ages 15 through 44. 
Uh, basically, it was, uh, you know, de minimis uh, in uh, 2020. Uh, it was about 13%, rose to, uh, I believe, 30% in 21 and 44% in uh, 2022, which is a 10 and a half standard deviation. That's the equivalent of a Thanos uh, giant uh, being born uh, eight foot tall. And uh, so this mild myocarditis uh, obviously is now uh, working its way into the population, forms of deaths and disabilities. Uh, we did a, in that study, we look at the potential market. And again, I hate to say the word market, but the market size for potential cardiovascular deaths, and they call it mild myocarditis. Uh, we, we, from this population, we, we surmise there could be 630,000 individuals that could potentially develop this. Let's say it's, let's give them the, the benefit of the doubt, and it's 90% mild and only 10% developed at 63,000. This is a disaster. There's, it's not, no, there's nothing mild about myocarditis. That, that, that was a psyop trick. You talk to real doctors, they'll tell you there's nothing mild about it. Why are you so obsessed with giants? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but because, because these events are so rare, I want, I want people to understand when, when I throw out a 10 standard deviation uh, event, that's a Thanos event. And we know Thanos tried to kill half the world. So, uh, you know. You're using yeah. uh, sort of uh, nerd mythology images because I don't understand what 10 standard deviations means. But I know what Thanos means. He stole that jewelry glove, the jewel glove, and he caused all sorts of trouble with that. It was very unkind to Spider-Man. And I think Robert Downey Jr., who had a bad heart anyway, he's going to be in a lot of trouble, I think. Because remember, he got that thing in his heart, right? So it's sort of starting to make sense, I would say, Edward. Absolutely. And I think poor Iron Man would be at risk of uh, a sudden death if he took the vaccine, in my humble opinion. Yes, I think Iron Man wouldn't make it through the afternoon, would he? After all of the trouble he's gone to making that suit, it's one little jab from Pfizer and he's crashing out of the sky, throwing out witty quips as he goes to Pippa Pegpot or Pepper Pot, as she's, I can't remember the name of his girlfriend. It was an unlikely name. Anyway, elsewhere, you've been uh, less humorous when describing the uh, nature and outcomes of the COVID pandemic, mate. Uh, federal debt grew at a faster rate since the pandemic than the past 10 years before it. And here in this post on X, you describe COVID as a war, Edward. It says, uh, this is your post. I'm quoting back to you. It's the sort of thing I do on my show. I tell people things that they're experts in. And then I expect some sort of pat on the back for it. Um, COVID was a war. From 2009 to 2019, federal debt grew by 11.25 trillion, at an average rate of about 1.1 trillion per year. From 2020 Q2 to 2023, federal debt grew by 8.5 trillion, at a rate of 2.4 trillion per year. War is inflationary. Inflate or die is the game. Can you explain that to me using stuff out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, I don't know if I can do that, but what I what I can say is this: um, since uh, the the uh, great financial crisis of two thousand eight nine, the federal debt has grown exponentially, and we're all aware of that. And we're putting out a, a we do economic reports as well at Finance Technologies. That's my firm, and a lot of our research can be found there at financetechnologies.com with a ph. We're gonna we're gonna put out a report. The tweet was a preview of that report. And it's called the, the Great Federal Centralization. You talked about centralization. And we're definitely at the point where we need to go back to local and decentralization. Yeah. And what happened, what happened during this growth, which then accelerated during COVID, 
um, was the federal government of the U.S. took power, especially from the states. Back in 1973, total public debt, uh, uh, the government, U.S. federal debt was 60 percent of all public debt and the states were 33 percent. Fast forward to today, 90 percent of the public debt in the U.S. is the federal government, 10 percent is the states. The states are being subsidized by the balance sheet. Their budgets are being uh, subsidized to the tune of 40 percent by the federal government. What does that give the federal government power over the states, power over local politics? So oh. this trend needs to be reversed. Oh. And what happened with COVID uh, was an acceleration of spending. And we've done, we're now growing uh, the, the, the deficit at 2.4 on an annualized rate, uh, extra spending and um, versus the 1.1 that was occurring, which was still excessive. So it, it kind of went off the rails after the great financial crisis and accelerated during COVID. And, you know, war is one of the ways you take uh, the banking system out of uh, deflation. And uh, if you look at all the great uh, six economic cycles we've had since 1800s, there's always a war that gets us out of deflation. World War II took us out of the Great Depression. Vietnam War uh, was the same. War, war, war. And COVID was a war. The spending we did was like a war. And, and what, what's happened since that spending? Inflation. And here we are. Oh, wow, you're really clever. No wonder you have to explain everything using giants. Everyone else is an idiot compared to you. Hey, uh, Edward, do you uh, feel that there's some kind of global resistance organising against what appears to be an existential threat against everyone that would require the immediate unification of all the people of the world, not to create some sort of terrifying centralised new order, but a totally decentralised but united front against this plain attempt to enslave us all? And where do you see this resistance? Is it, you know, with Bobby Kennedy, presidential candidate and a writer of Forward, or Gavin De Becker there, who I know is a keen member of the resistance? Do you see, uh, do you see much cause for optimism, mate? Seeing how you're so good at investing, although I do have to once again mention that BlackRock are doing a lot better without you. Yeah, I agree um, on that point. BlackRock has done just fine without me. Um, I, I, I will say this: in my journey. When everyone on Maui ran off the cliff and ran out to get the jab, uh, those of us who were left standing who refused to get it, and it was a tough time here on Maui, um, you know, I realized and looked to my left and to my right, you know, I'm a Wall Street guy. There was a hippie to my left, a local Hawaiian to my right, black, white, Latino, uh, you know, vegan, just different types of people, gay. And, and, and what I realized was we all had freedom on our minds. And it was, and I realized these labels that we give each other are nonsense. And it was called, I, I labeled it team humanity. And I think that's what's rising up. People who are, are tired of the centralized control, the top down, uh, you know, maniacal psychopathic power grabs. And we are definitely uh, at a global awakening. The system that uh, resulted in this jab, the, the corruption and evilness that's been going on for the last 50 years manifested into a jab into everybody. And that's where we are. And uh, the system's been corrupt for a long, long time. And I believe we have a chance. And you, like you said, the resistance is all over. It's not just uh, here in the U.S. It's, it, it's an, a global awakening. Bobby Kennedy, I'm proud to say I'm the co-treasurer on his campaign. So I'm involved. And uh, yourself and other voices out there are, are, are waking people up to the truth. And we're not we're not radical uh, revolutionaries. We're just t truth tellers. And the truth is the system is uh, at, at a nexus point of failure. The banking system 
has had a nice run. It's a it's a uh, you know fractional reserve banking system that uh, creates money out of nowhere. It's magic, and uh, it's going to collapse. And we're at the end of that, and that's why we see what we see. And I blame everything you see globally on central bankers and politicians. Now, can I prove that? No, but uh, they seem to they seem to be able to print magic uh, money out of nowhere, and th- they just don't want you to know they can do that, and they want to distract all of us with uh, wars, pandemics and uh division you're really clever i'm glad i'm on the same side as you hey are you uh were you ever tempted to go oh maybe i'll invest a few thousand dollars here or there in some of these companies i'm predicting that pfizer's going this way oh but then that way when the myocarditis starts kicking in Do, would you ever were you ever tempted to in, invest in it so I, when I first came on the scene, I made a, a, a point that I was not going to personally profit from Pfizer's demise, which it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say Pfizer's at a new 52-week low. So is Moderna. The truth is coming out. <clears throat> People are starting to figure this out. Uh, uh, so I made a point of not uh, profiting from it because I was going to try to create news and I didn't want anybody to say I, I had a, a financial gain in, in this. But my, my team at Finance Technologies and I are going to raise capital for a global macroeconomic hedge fund, which will utilize a lot of this research to bet on uh, capital markets across the globe. And that's our next project is raising a fund. All right. Well, I'm going to invest in that for sure. All right, mate. Um, Well, let's once again mention Cause Unknown, a coffee table book for conspiracy theorists who want to be proven right and have the QR shows, the QR codes, excuse me, to show they're working out. Fantastic book. And it's just, it seems, the tip of the iceberg or perhaps the tip of the syringe underneath the water, it seems, is a pretty nefarious substance that has spike protein in it that doesn't remain localized, evidently, on the basis of the way things are going. Edward, thanks so much for joining us. We'll post a link to your great book in the description. We'll uh, send it, like, the first person who can answer this question uh, in the chat will get sent this one for free. Edward, can you think of a question related to your book for someone to answer in the chat to get sent this copy of your book? Um, how many years did Pfizer and the FDA want to hide uh, the data from us. I know that one. I know that one. But you guys can answer in the chat and we'll send you a copy of Cause Unknown. Fantastic book. Fantastic book there. Uh, thanks for joining us, Edward. And I hope we get to speak again soon. Thank you so much, Russell. Great to be here. Stay free. Switch on. Switch on. Switch on. Switch on. Switch on. Switch on. Switch on.